0: This week on Dig Me Out
1: this is not my job. I'm
0: With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Manichi.
2: Jay, we are back again with another episode Thanks to our Dig Me Out union on Patreon You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at patreon.com. Nope. Wrong. (laughs) DMOUnion.com. No backslashes anymore or forward slashes or sideways slashes or dashes or anything like that. It's DMOUnion.com. That's the only place to go. Well, it's not the only place. You could go the old way. but
1: I mean, it just... It just redirects you to the same place.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Just trying to make your lives a little easier. If you want to help us out,
2: pulling some sort of internet trickery there. Um, <laughs> it's black magic. Like you, you type redirect. in one thing and it takes you to another place.
1: <laughs> it's a wormhole.
2: Yes, it is. Just like Interstellar. That's what happened to Matthew McConaughey. He went through the wormhole, <laughs> came out in a drawer. I don't remember. I don't remember that movie real well. <laughs> This episode, Jay, we are joined by someone who has been with us before. It's Dewey Cole. Welcome back, Dewey.
0: Yo. Yeah, I just uh, I just bought Interstellar on... Uh, I bought a 4K TV this year, and that was the movie that was recommended to buy on a 4K Blu-ray. So I just, I just bought that, and I haven't watched it since it came out. So this is completely off-topic of the podcast. But <laughs> you're right, I do remember him ending up in a drawer,
2: and I do remember everybody being
0: so much older than him. That was my one memory of the movie.
2: So... Thank you for diverting us immediately from yeah. the show. <laughs> the oh. podcast is not about interstellar. People, stay no. tuned. Stay tuned for our interstellar podcast <laughs> coming up. <laughs> Bonus Patreon comment: comment. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a we'll do the complete two and a half hour uh, commentary to the whole episode, uh, uh, the of whole course. Uh, movie. No, yeah. what you are here to do is to share with us your pick for your twelve month pick. Uh, your your pick for your twelve month pick. That's repetitive. Your twelve month pick. <laughs> for your patreon um pick i keep saying pick now it's in my head i can't stop saying pick 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 pick. what did you choose
0: so i decided to choose a band that has not been featured yet on the podcast and i really had two options i had well first off the band's name is the verb pipe and I really had two options. Well, I had more than two options because they had some independent releases uh, in the '90s. But I wanted to stick with a major label release. There was really two to choose from. Uh, there was 1996's Villains, and there was 1999 self-titled. Um, in my opinion, Villains is a stronger record, and I would like to try to get more people into it. That's why I'm, you know, that's why I picked the the record. So that's why I chose Villains. So I'm hoping that uh, we can get into it tonight and. Talk about it.
2: Oh, we gonna get into it. We gonna get into it. We gonna get into it. How did you uh, discover this record? Did you get it when it come, came out? Was there a particular song yeah. that you heard, or, or is that yeah? You know,
0: like, yeah. So I have a fun. I have a funny history with this album. Uh, so I bought it when I heard photographs. So I, I used to live in Toledo, Ohio, and in Toledo we had the station one hundred six point five, the Buzz, that was like our mm-hmm. Do you remember that station? Because you were, you were in BG, we right? Do.
2: We were in BG, yep. so that was one of the station, the commercial stations we would listen to.
0: Yeah, so that was like the big station when I was in high school. So they played everything modern rock at the time. So I listened to the radio back then every day. It was like the thing. So yeah, I heard Photograph on the radio, and I was like, damn, this is a great song. And uh, I eventually saw the video on 120 Minutes with Matt Pinfield, And... I want to say I, I saw Cup of Tea next, if my memory is correct. I'd have to check when the singles were released, but I'm pretty sure I waited till I saw Cup of Tea. But I bought the album after hearing those first two singles. And so I probably bought the album in mid to late 96, off memory. And they were always, in, at least when I was 15 or 16 years old at the time, I listened to the singles, but I never gave the album a real fair shot. When I was younger, it was more of a, I listened to those four songs that were the singles and shelved it, which I did a lot with a lot of records back in the nineties when I was younger. So yeah. So years later, this would have been 2003. Oh, by the way, I did buy their self-titled album in 99. Again, the album didn't really click, but I liked, I liked the song hero a lot, you know? And uh, so fast forward to 2003. uh, There was a show at university of Toledo at Dorman theater, which was a weird place to have a rock show. The band Sponge was was headlining, and the opener was Brian Vander Ark, right? So I was like, "Hey, it's the Burp Pipe guy. This should be fun. it will be a fun opener, you know, to play the singles that I love so much." <laughs> and uh, he came out, and he was he was promoting his solo record called Resurrection at the time, and he of course played the Burp Pipe stuff. And I got to talking to him after the show. And uh, I'm an avid live taper. I tape live bands, or I tape live music and share it on the internet. And he was completely all about me taping his shows. He actually showed more, more enthusiasm about me recording his shows than probably any other artist I've ever met. So this actually got me more excited about seeing him, because he was okay with me taping all these concerts, with permission. Because <laughs> back then, I used to always sneak stuff in to tape shows. So I was really excited about that. So I went back and listened to all the Birdpipe stuff. I mean, not just villains, but suffered a head injury and pop smear, all their stuff, and just fell in love with the band completely at that time, as well as a solo record. So while I did have the records when they came out, I wasn't full on into them until oh three oh four. So that's kind of my history with it. Okay. Yeah.
2: So they're, they're from Michigan. West Western or West Michigan is what's referred to. Um, the band was formed in East Lan- Lansing, Michigan. By the aforementioned Brian Van der Ark, Brian Stout, and Donnie Brown. Although there have been a number of members in the band, um, for this particular record, "Villains," which is their second full length, I believe, um, it's Brian Van der Ark, vocals and guitar; Brad Vander Ark on bass guitar and vocals; Donnie Brown and drums, backing, backing vocals; A.J. Dunning on lead guitar backing vocals and doug corella on keyboards and percussion now what's interesting is this bands based on when they released their records and then when they went to streaming the stuff has changed so uh i've suffered a head injury was originally released as a 10 song cd that is out of print and when it went to digital it became an ep because that contains an acoustic version of the freshman, and they took it off when they apparently you know stopped making that record, and then they signed to uh, a RCA, RCA mm-hmm. for their for Pop smear, which came out in ninety three. was re- originally Land Speed, and then it was re released by RCA Records, and then Villains was released uh, ninety six. It made it to number twenty four on the Album chart and then the self title made it to number 158 uh, in 1999. And then they released three additional albums as the normal band Underneath in 2001, Overboard in 2014, and Parachute in 2017. They also have two kids albums 2009's A Family Album, and then 2013's Are We There Yet? Which I don't know if that's a tie into the movie starring Ice Cube, but uh, that would be cool. <laughs> so i mentioned with the freshman which is the i think the single that everyone knows off this record there are like there are three different versions of that song there's the original version which was released on um like i mentioned i've suffered a head injury in 1992 that's like the acoustic version the original Mm -hmm. album version on villains is different than the radio version there's a pop radio mix of the freshman Jay, did you check out any of the different versions, or have you heard them?
1: I listened to the pop mix. I I didn't get what the difference was. I, I wasn't able to well, really on, on the surface understand what the difference was.
2: So, did you listen to this this on streaming? Yep. So, there's if you go to YouTube and you search the Verve Pipe, there's the freshman alternate version, and that is radically different. It has oh, okay. like very subtle like uh, electric guitar, clean electric guitar. There's drums throughout the whole thing, rather than coming in after the first verse. Um, it's a much different mix and version of that song. I'm pretty sure it's a different version. It's not just a different. Interesting. Mix. Okay.
1: But yeah, because yeah, on str- on streaming though, the there is a version labeled pop mix. Yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't sound any different?
2: It doesn't sound any different than the than the digital version. That you can stream, but I don't think that's the original version that was released on the CD. Dewey, can you confirm any of this?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna make a quick comment. Back in the '90s, uh, I mean, I'm sure if you guys watched 120 minutes or any any show on MTV or even much music for people in Canada, there were video video mixes of songs that were, you know, sometimes available on CD singles. Or you know, sometimes even albums were repressed with those versions. In this case, that's what happened. Um, it was obviously a longer, slower version, which was pressed originally, mm-hmm. and then I want to say in late '96, early '97, because I think the freshman was released as a single in '97, which would have been almost a year after this record came out. It
2: was the third single, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was definitely after the first two because I got into them during Photograph and Cup of Tea, and I remember when Freshman came out, I was a little like, well, this isn't a you know, this isn't an up up tempo rock song, so I was kind of just not really into it as much. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's exactly what happened. They put the video version on subsequent pressings that came when the when the single was released. And um, yeah, that's a sign. But there was a lot of bands that did that back then. I, I remember the Goo Goo Dolls single, Naked. I used to love that. So I still love that song. Off uh, Boy Named Goo, there was a video version, and then there was the album version. And it took me years to track down the CD single with the video version of that song. But uh, yeah, that was done a lot back in those days.
2: Yep. Which was, of course, a great way to move some CD singles when you wanted to. Yeah, uh, exactly,
0: remixes and everything else that were were stacked on those things.
2: Now, I mentioned this band being from Michigan. As people might know if they've listened to this podcast, Jay and I went to Bowling Green State University, which is 20 minutes from the uh, Michigan border in northwest Ohio. Well, not 20 minutes. It's 20 minutes to Toledo and then another 20 minutes or so to get to the border. It's not that far that, that would be 40 minutes tim so it's 40 minutes apologies <laughs> it's apologies
1: i'm here to do simple
2: math point being it's not that far and i if i remember correctly because the band formed what did i say like 92 yes it was actually were,
0: two came together and formed one band that's the that's the story there was a band called johnny with an eye and then there was uh I'm trying to think if if the Viru Pipe ever existed before Johnny With an I, but essentially they formed two well-known Michigan bands into a super group of sorts, and they became the Viru Pipe. Gotcha. Yeah, that's the story.
2: So in like 93, 94, before Villains is a big deal, 95, they're playing like regionally, and I remember them playing either like Toledo or even in Bowling Green at like Howard's.
0: Yeah, they played Frankie's uh, back in like 94 with yep. with the, the Goo Actually, Dolls, actually. Ironic. And anytime I'm in that venue, I see that poster when I walk in and I'm reminded of it. So even today, it's still there. Frankie's so.
2: being the place, Jay, that we saw Holland Maggie where I made a bad mistake and wore the Holland Maggie shirt to the Holland <laughs> Maggie show and, oh. and got ridiculed for weeks afterwards because we were yeah, like we were one too. of 10 people there.
0: Oh man. I think PCU they taught isn't PCU the movie where David Spade talks about you can't wear the band's t shirt to the show, man. Yep. Something like that. Yeah. Don't yep. tell Tim that.
2: Uh <laughs> I've never made that mistake again. So I learned my lesson.
1: It's so, a painful lesson to learn.
2: Painful lesson to learn. Jay, were you familiar at all with this album?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I remember, I I like Dewey, I heard Photograph on the radio, probably uh, would have been that that Toledo station, The Buzz. Um, I really liked that song. Uh, I thought it stood out. I thought the keyboard part was really uh, distinct. And then I remember the Freshman popping up. Um, I don't remember much else. I think I bought the, I probably bought, I do own the CD. I probably bought it used. Um, I also own the record After, was it Underneath? Um, no, after
0: it had been the soft title The Frog Record in 99 That was the one that essentially fell off the face of the earth yeah. Okay,
1: I think I own Underneath then. Yeah,
0: know
2: that, that came out in September Of 2001 yep. like Which definitely albums. Really, Yeah yeah. yeah, so
1: I had my moment with this band
2: Okay So this will be interesting for me Because I Despised The Freshman
0: Oh, <laughs> hot take People are turning, t- are turning out right now They're like oh this guy's going
2: <laughs> I don't know what it was But there was like There are a lot of bands that I liked In the 90s Who put out songs In this vein That I could not stand So examples would be like Lightning Crashes by Live Or Brick by Ben 5 Or A Long December by Counting Crows Glycerine by Bush Like all these songs are these like very serious, heavy, ballad kind of songs. And I was not into that at that time. Wow. Yeah, wanted to party. I mean, I like all those bands, but it was those worked. songs that I was like, please delete that song from that CD. I do not want to hear that song <laughs> ever again. Do you,
0: have any, do you have any girls I talked to in high school that we, I would talk to about the verve pipe and they would go, I love the Freshman. Hey, we have something to talk about. All right. You know?
1: <laughs> I, I'm seeing a pattern <laughs> here. So.
2: But
1: you know. yeah, why do you hate women?
2: <laughs> oh wow, whoa! <laughs> so this will be interesting because now I get to like analyze and get it's... into this. Al- so what I'm saying is, I really didn't like that. Didn't like that song, so I never bought this album. I knew Ooh. Photograph, and that was it. That was it for this record. Going into this, so I'd never listened to the whole record. Um, it was also probably because I, I was like. You know, this was a local band in in a sense that from yeah. Michigan. What what are they doing on MTV? Like, there was some sort of weird regional like anger towards uh, towards them. <laughs> like, why aren't the ribcage Houdinis on MTV? I don't understand.
0: Was that an actual band?
2: Yeah, that was a that was a band from Bowling Green. Oh wow! They sounded like a cross between Megadeth and Dream Theater, channeled through a tin can. Uh, the, I could revisit one of their records one of these days. There are no records. There's two oh. tapes. <laughs> okay. There's two tapes, and I have <laughs> one of them. It's, it's, uh, yeah. John Riccardi, if you're listening, and I seriously doubt you are, uh, no offense regarding that description. <laughs> Let's get into this record. Jay, Tim, tell me one thing you liked about Villains by the Verve Pipe.
1: Well, I like the – I think as I got into the record, I liked and appreciated the guitar work a lot. Um, So stepping back, this is a record that, um, from a production standpoint, is actually – yes, there are guitars and there's a lot of layered guitars. Well, not a lot, but there's layered guitars. But the bass and the drums are so well produced. Um, They fill up a lot of the sonic space. So you get this fairly big sound just by the drum and bass sound. And what I found is I, when I got into the record and the parts that I liked were where the guitars were really just enhancing the song, like finding spots to create dynamics and texture. I mean, I think the freshman's a good example uh, like that second guitar part, even in the intro of the song, it, it creates the interest for me in that song. Um, it creates the space and then when the song gets loud um you listen to those guitar tones they're just like these fuzzy kind of gnarly guitar tones that you wouldn't think would be on a you know a radio hit pop song a ballad i mean they're not like tight compressed power chords they're like fizzly fuzzy kind of gnarly sounding you know guitar tones but it works <laughs> So I found myself, as I listened to the record more, really picking up on just how um, tasteful the guitar work is. You can tell that there is a lot of ability there, uh, I think, but there's a lot of constraint. Like they could really go overboard um, and they don't. They really look for opportunities to, you know, build dynamic with the guitars, create like counter melody, create texture you know, there's some nice like layering of acoustics that's really subtle, but, you know, adds a lot. Um, so I really, I, I thought that to me when the album works well, um, there's a sophistication there that you hear with the guitar approach. Um, I think you hear it somewhat with the vocal and the, just the overall melodic sense to, as well, but it really stood out as I broke the guitar playing down and, could kind of understand just the the level of thought that went into it um that maybe on the surface you don't necessarily hear
2: i'm going to echo that i this album sounded way better than i was expecting it it really is like well produced and well thought out in terms of there's some interesting keyboard touches like you mentioned with photograph there's some interesting piano and organ pieces here and there that are those can be so badly done and overboard and they just stick them in the right places so that there's just a little bit of an, in, like a more interesting thing going on than just guitar, bass and drums. The other thing that I, I picked up on about this record that I liked is, um, and we'll get into the, some of the comments from Patreon in, in a minute, but the first time through, I was like, oh, okay, this is sort of like, you know, mid nineties alt rock, you know, I could see this, You know, there's some Pearl Jam influence and, you know, that sort of sound. But when I started to, like, dissect what Brian Ark was doing as a vocalist and what was going on with the guitars and some of the leads and how they were trading stuff back and forth, like you mentioned with the freshman, like having the second guitar part really helps make that song rather than it just being like, like you think of like Wonderwall, like really being driven by just like one acoustic guitar strumming. But, like, there was really interesting stuff that was going on from a melody standpoint in songs like like the title track Villains. It had, like, at times, this almost, like, his vocal got, I think it was because of the scale, because they were using notes that were butting up against each other, which is used in, like, Eastern music sometimes, where he was almost getting, like, Robert Plantish with his vocal phrasings and I was, it was just before a line or two and it was very subtle, but I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like this isn't just, you know, sort of derivative alt rock. There is, there is something going on here a little bit, a little bit deeper. And I heard that same thing with the first track, barely, if at all, like there's some real interesting phrasing that he uses and, and melodies that are, are a little atypical for, a band that, you know, if you got it, they probably get lumped in with like Collective Soul and, and some of these like second generation of, of you know, post grunge bands. And um, that kind of stuff was what was piquing my interest. I also really like their use of, um, they were able to figure out a way to make slower and mid tempo songs more interesting and it was through the use of dynamics and builds and obviously through Brian Vanderick's like songwriting ability because a lot of this album is pretty mid tempo and that can get into a really bad rut at times with with some bands where you just kind of feel like oh this is they're just kind of in one gear but they do a really good job of like a song like ominous man or villains is another example where they do a good job of like building within the song even though it doesn't build to like a, an insane crescendo of you know a, a big payoff in the sense of like um you know explosions in the sky or something a band like that but it has a nice trajectory within the song and those are two examples
0: and as i'm searching for the-
2: those were really the really things that like caught my ear for when listening to this for the first time.
1: Yeah. I, I want to echo the keyboard stuff. Um, it definitely um, just, I think it on surfaced for me, distinguished the band. That's what kind of pulled me in. Like I said, on photograph was just that cool, really high kind of pitched tonal approach to keyboards. Um, and then as I dug into the record, there's a lot of like tasteful use of it, which I think to your point uh, often, you know, keyboards can be added to rock music and either be unnecessary or kind of a a mood killer. So
0: Right. I think yeah, I think the keyboard definitely enhances a lot of the tracks on this record. I, I was re listening to it just today. I haven't listened to villains in a f- it's probably been all year since I've listened to it. It's one of my favorite records, but I just haven't had it out this year. And I was listening to it today and I was reminded just hearing the keyboard in the background how much it adds to the to the songs. And I haven't really thought about it before until till just today. I was like, damn, Doug Corella really really did a lot for this band. Uh, not only an album but live too. So it's a little it's probably not noticed, uh, just from, you know, seeing them or from listening to them, but it's definitely there and it holds a lot of those songs together. So
2: well, i think and photograph is like a perfect example that's an unusual little riff that he's playing and then yeah. and it's such an interesting interestingly constructed song because when they come in with those guitars those are some gnarly guitars that are going on you know what i'm talking about jay like they're yeah. they're not clean or like really compressed guitar tones yeah. there's some real noise going on and i i Like, I don't think I ever really paid attention to that before, but that like shot my appreciation for that song up because it was, you know, that's a clear single. They recognized it and it was, I remember it getting played, but they took a chance with making the guitars as, as sort of nasty as they are, which is cool. Yeah.
1: I think both that and freshman, when you listen to it now, there's no way a song on the radio would ever, ever get guitar tones like that it's just not gonna happen right you know so i really now can appreciate that of like how cool and ballsy that was because uh, just a few years later every producer would have told them no 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 we're not doing that <laughs> oh no. and uh i think to me it, it, it helps the song hold up
2: Bye.
0: What about cup of tea? cup of tea it hits really hard too there, and with that riff in the beginning, the tone is great on the guitar, and that uh that's that was the second single that was uh, i I love that song as much as photograph
1: and to me, that's where the record really takes off. I think the, not the game what we don't like it yet, but um, I was not as compelled you know through through track four. it was fine. it wasn't really distinguishing itself. It wasn't until cup of tea where. I really can understand what this band was about, and I felt like the record really kind of found its found its spot and really uh, took off from there. And that riff is a huge part of it.
2: Yeah. Do you mentioned about the the keyboards being a, a key factor in terms of you know revis- revisiting this? What are you mentioned about wanting up people to hear this record and expose them to it? What are some of the other things that you really like about this record?
0: as far as, I mean, it just plays really well front to back. Uh, I mean, like I said, we listening to it today. Uh, I mean, songs like drive you mild. I mean, that's just a, that's just a barn burner. I mean, it's just, it's, that could have been the opening track. I, I think barely if at all and drive you mile, are both great opening tracks. So it's kind of funny that they go one and two at the beginning of the record. Um, but there's so much to like about it. Um, the only song that I've only, that I've kind of only been so-and-so on is the last song, the near, and mainly it's because it carries on for a long time, and sometimes it loses my interest. They still play it live even to this day, and uh, that's that's the one song where I'm kind of like, all right, uh, six or seven minutes, let's kind of <laughs> move it along here. But you know, it's it's the closer, so I, I understand. But that's really, I mean, other than that, the whole thing has so many so many great things going on. From uh, they obviously there's a lot of. Uh, with photograph as being an example, like a loud quiet dynamic, which was very popular at the time, Uh, you know, and um, ominous man has always been one of my favorite songs by this band. Uh, I just love the choruses are so catchy on this too, on this record. Um, I could, there's way too much to talk about. There's way too many great things going on. In my opinion, Uh, the freshman, I like, like you, Tim, I kind of had enough of after a while, after, after the overplay, but um you know it's it's still, it's still a great song I, at the end of the day I, it's just one of those songs it's like cumbersome by seven Mary three it's like I I'll be okay if I never hear it again you know
2: <laughs> I think also I think I was uh jealous because Brian van Der Ark on in the video has got like the perfect like blonde grungy hair yeah he does that's true I wonder the, what and the soul patch and' is looking yeah. very serious yeah.
0: I wonder what the uh what the what what the set was like that day, getting his hair to look like perfect before they shot. The video. <laughs> it's like, just don't move, Brian. Stay right there. All right. Action.
2: Let's talk about some of our comments over at Patreon, which we need to thank Ian Wobble. He jumped up from the seven to the 1350 tier, Boom. which means not only does he continue to have his um, T-shirt that he's going to receive, which he I think he already he's- did.
1: He's getting another T-shirt.
2: He's going he to wear Dig Me Out five days a week. He's, he's going to get to pick an, an episode as well coming up. And he's now a part of our steering committee, so he gets this special steering committee sticker. That's right. Uh, so he did not have a comment on this episode, but some other folks did. Gary Moran said, this album is a lot better than most people thought it would be. Being from Michigan, it was a pretty big deal once photographs started to get some play. There is a lot of creative, sometimes jazzy guitar work. And Brian Vander Ark is a solid songwriter. This one is tied to a lot of nostalgia for me, but I think it still holds up well. Um, John Seaman says, haven't listened to this album forever, but remember liking it more than just the hit. The Freshman, I think think that's a classic song from the 90s. The only other song I think of is the title track. I love how the song builds up throughout. Remember the video too. Uh, And then he... Goes into a story about meeting Brian Van Erich in a bathroom, uh, which we'll leave for the patrons there. Uh, Tara McCook says, "I really love this record at the time. It was so much more f- than a monster single, which is pretty great, and is still a highlight of my many playlists of mine. There were among they were among the best of the wave of late '90s radio friendly alternative ish power pop bands. I don't know if I would use power pop as a description." Straight up, I think it's more straight alternative rock or just rock. Uh, Veneer, Penny is Poison, and Barely, if at all, are particular highlights. I saw them in D.C. in January 2018, and they absolutely killed it. The band was in rare form. Brian Van Ark was in great voice, and it was so much fun. They were clearly in it for more than the nostalgia bucks, unlike some of the other 90s tours out there. Oh, and one more thing. They released a live acoustic version of the record in 2017 that's absolutely gorgeous. Definitely worth checking out. So that means there's another version of the freshman.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I checked that out. It, it is very, very cool. They actually, uh, I think they replaced a lot of their keyboards with strings, which is kind of a cool approach.
2: Hmm. That's acceptable.
1: Yeah. It sounds good too.
2: Uh, what else, Jay? You want to grab one of the comments?
1: Sure. Eric Peterson listening to the card today. Straight stray thoughts. One generation defining song. Not even the best version of it. That's the freshman, of course. Best version is live from MSU Auditorium. Oh. Can we talked about that?
2: I didn't know there was a live from MSU Auditorium version. Is that on a single or is that just a YouTube thing? It's,
1: I don't know. A solid single and the rest hit me is overproduced. And under underwritten riffs by on black by Pearl Jam. Uh yeah, I think early on, I could. In the record, I could get that. Um, you know, mentions Nixon's Collective Soul, which you mentioned. Um, they were a local band in, in, in the 90s when he was in college, and I really wanted him to make good. Yeah, I mean, I was rooting for him, too. Tim, Tim was the hater.
2: <laughs> yes, I was.
1: Tim's the only person I've ever met that doesn't want a local band to do good.
2: It, it was a weird, uh, you know.
1: It was a dark time for you? It was you.
2: a dark time. It was when, like, this uh, concept of selling out was a thing. Which gotcha. I do not agree with anymore. Uh, Darren Leach said, "I listened to this album a lot back in the '90s, and I have to slightly agree with Eric about the comment he made about it being too late in the cycle. They think they f- fell foul of this style going out of fashion as quickly as it arrived. Didn't help that their 1999 follow-up is a terrible album. Oh, uh, I have to say Brian's voice is very unique and makes the album that much better. Barely, if at all, is a killer start for this record for this album." Has 90s written all over, but great riff and drumming. Cup of Tea is my favorite track. Um, On the single EP album, Dig Me Out Scale, for me, it's still an album, but I would remove Real and Penny is Poison. Interesting, because that was one of Tara's picks for favorite Uh songs. Oh. I would shorten Veneer as it seems. The ending goes on for three minutes. Never released on vinyl, although Photograph was released on a 7-inch in the UK. Interesting. And then Whitney Biller said, I've always preferred their follow-up self-titled 1998 album. So there you what? go. <laughs> Darren and Whitney in in uh, in uh, button heads there. <laughs> he said, That song Hero I've listened to about a bazillion times. I never tire of it, not even after my one bazillionth and one time. Uh, and then Mike Bond says, The Verve Piper, one of those bands that whilst I recognize the name, I've never actually heard them before – After listening to the album over the last couple days, they certainly seem to have an early Pearl Jam way of college rock thing going on that screams 90s alternative rock right up, right the way up to photograph. The album feels impressively solid with a collection of great songs, but starts losing me after that. Definitely worthy album for me, but could do with some trimming towards the end. By the way, on the song Veneer, do they seem to be channeling across the universe by the Beatles, or is it just me? that's interesting i didn't get that but on real there's definitely some Beatleish influence on that song with the way that they use the keyboard in the halftime part you know what i'm talking about these are it, it's like it's like
0: uh yeah i know exactly what you're referring to now oh on, yeah, yeah 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 i get, I get
1: what you're that saying
2: that was the yep. only time on the record where i was like hmm that's a little obvious you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah i mean I
0: Beatles the Beatles are huge influence to Brian so I'm not, I'm not too surprised.
2: Right. I, I know that's an easy way to like incorporate a little Beatle flavor into your song. So Sort of do that like I guess it's like a Mellotron or something. I'm not sure what the exact keyboard part is there or electric piano or something. But it, it has that very strong Beatles vibe. When
0: we were real, we were in love With everyone and I guess it was a pretty- a the river clears its throat And from that started singing Our right, faradic evening
1: comes And the butterflies And bats eat the spider That had started up beside
0: her And the dishes Love and spoon were never found And I there's a promo EP that came out called 85 on 31. I want to say it came out in 97. I, I have it somewhere up uh, with the rest of my CDs, but um, it actually has a great live version of strawberry fields forever on there uh, from this villains tour. Uh, so yeah, just showing the Beatles influence. I mean, they put, they put a cover on, on that promo EP. So, uh,
2: and then Luke said, lead singer, Brian Venerick is an awesome earth <laughs> guy. Put out some great solo stuff as well. I'd bet he'd come on your show if you asked nicely. Well, I didn't want to express my deep uh uh shameful hatred of the freshman, so we decided not to um <laughs> invite him on
1: another uh another blow in the uh in the face off Whitney beeler says I'm right he's wrong in the live. <laughs> The live comments,
2: yeah. And Matthew Barnes said, "I had the pleasure of doing sound and opening for these guys. They were great live, and they are also super nice and down to earth." Thanks for the live comments on this episode, uh, gentlemen. Here, let's get into some stuff. Was brought up I th- I th- that I agree with with regards to maybe what doesn't work. I do feel like this is a little long, and f- I, it's not that it uh, in the opposite way with you, Jay. I don't think it starts out slow. I like the way the album starts out once you get into real like the last three songs kind of I feel like I've already heard variations on those so I don't know if there meets I would like this album to end on ominous man I think that's a cool song it would be a great like closing track what so, yeah I would want to move that to the like the last track and move real up and I, I do like cattle I think that's a cool song so I'd move that up as well but yeah i just the back half of the or the the last couple songs i don't know i don't like the arrangement and um i don't i'm i'm with the not there's prettiest poison i didn't particularly care for i also didn't care for reverend girl um
0: those are actually two songs that i got into after seeing brian play them live which is kind of weird because when i had the record i was more geared towards the singles. Uh, But I saw him perform solo so many times in the 2003, 2004, 2005 years that seeing him play these songs solo acoustic kind of made me more interested in them. And they're actually, in my opinion, better uh, in a solo acoustic arrangement. So when I hear the album version, believe it or not, I actually prefer hearing him play those solo. So I prefer to listen to him playing those on his solo live records, which is kind of weird. But Penny is Poison uh, is just a great great pop song it's just it's it's I, I just love the song and reverend girl was written about his mother um so yeah i don't know i'd I love those songs but it took me a few years to get into them after seeing him performed in a different way so
2: maybe it's the production on them
0: possibly yeah. that
2: doesn't that doesn't work for me but jay what does not work for you on this record besides the opening
1: well i i i mean to get into that in a little bit more detail it doesn't It just sounds a little too derivative of Pearl Jam and Smashing Pumpkins and generic (laughs) '90s alternative music. Um, It's not bad. I also hear things like "Drive You Mild. I kind of hear a happy, happy days era Catherine Will, um, which I'm all about. So you know, it's done well. It's not you know annoying or unlistenable. It's just not remarkable until you get into, for me, you you know, halfway through the record where melodically, it gets more interesting. I think rhythmically, it gets more interesting. The chord choices, the focus on the vocals, just everything to me sharpens. Um, I like the song Real quite a bit, too. I mean, that shows a different side of the band to me. Yeah. Um, I agree. You know, Veneer, I, I think, is a, is a fine song. It doesn't need to be you know, six minutes long. Yeah. Um, So it can definitely be, could be sharpened up. Um, But uh, to me, Cup of Tea, Freshman Photograph, Real, Penny's Poison. Um, I like myself. I mean, that gets into this more distinct sound. Um, They also do a good job. I think you mentioned this, Tim, a little bit. But um, in in there, you also get um, how they can stay in those slower tempos um and make it work and that's really hard to do you know we've talked about all bands when they get uh in mid to, mid to slow tempos uh the song, they just drag and they have a hard time carrying the songs um they do a pretty good job and i think a lot of that is to do with how solid the bass parts are how well thought out they are how good the tones are it just creates a fullness and there's just enough propulsion and then they like we've i started off with there's enough texture to keep you engaged um, but I think it really shines in that you know to me that uh, the second half of that of the record is really where you get that, and the first half is a little bit forgettable um, I think in, in whole.
2: I think overall, I would move a, a thinking about it now with what you said, I might move some more stuff around in terms of I think the set uh, the the track listing is a little odd.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the sequence in this record, it doesn't quite make sense to me.
2: Because there's a lot of songs that I like individually, but I found myself like, I, I would listen to the record, and they go, okay, I want to go back to this particular song, and I would f- like hit, hit that one over and over again, rather than just listening to the album straight through, because I was trying to like focus on particular tracks Whereas a lot of times when we do reviews I just keep listening to the whole album in a row over and over again. And um how I was just
0: curious how many listens do you generally give a record before you guys review it? I was I always wondered that. A couple uh, listens or like oh, 10 I, listens? Like how far in do you go?
2: Well, it depends on when we record. <laughs> for one oh, thing, okay. um I I probably listen to this between 15 and 20 times. Jesus Christ, really? I was on a plane for four hours.
0: Oh, okay. So that
2: (laughs) and I just put it on repeat. So that was probably six listens right there. And then I had a five and a half hour car ride, and I know I listened to it twice then. Um so and then I also listened to it when I was like sitting on my computer working and that was just like for a day, I just had it rolling over and over again.
0: So Yourself to listen to records that you're not really feeling after the first couple of listens. Like, do you force yourself to keep going and well, listening? If, and if listen? I figured
2: out I don't like it pretty quickly, then I spare myself after like five or six listens. But I feel like okay. I need like f- at least five listens where I'm paying attention. Okay, you know what I mean, like where I'm actually like taking a note, taking notes down, uh, or I'll try to like focus on a particular instrument for a for a v- one time through. I'm, like, I'm I'm really going to focus on the drums this time. I want to hear what the drummer's doing. And I'll listen to the record all the way through just listening to the drums. And sometimes I can play with my EQ and mess with to, – to focus in on certain things. Do you um, sometimes
0: switch it out between speakers and headphones with different listens? Because with headphones, you can hear a lot more with a lot of records.
2: Right. I do. I, I'll, I'll listen with regular headphones. And then sometimes I'll pull my headphones out and I'll listen to it with my computer speakers. And Ugh, I know, God. but I get, but you get a different sound. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, you certainly do.
2: Um, <laughs> but I, I usually switch between my, um, my headphones and occasionally I'll be in the car. This was an unusual one because I traveled so much when I was listening to this record. So it, it gave me an opportunity to listen to it. Like at least four different versions of, of wow. listening to it. Cause I used my, um, studio, over the ear and then my studio in in, in ear plug uh, plug and then uh <laughs> computer speakers and then car speakers. So that's four different ways of listening to it. We're out of free headphones to give away the more plugs. I know there's yeah. we're not yeah. giving away anything. Screw those guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they did a solid. They gave us some yeah. they gave us some Yeah, gear.
1: Um you'll hear uh I mean I, I try to um do a couple passive listens and then I try to do some active listens and I'll notice, uh, and I try to call it on the show where it's a different experience. There's some records where passively it works much better um, than when you actively are listening and like taking notes. It totally changes your experience. Um, So try to do both. Try to do headphones, try to do speakers, try to do the car, try to mix it up.
2: I found it as a passive listen when I was just sort of paying attention I would always clock in at like a song 11 or 12 and go, is this over yet? Like, where yep. am I at? Did I start, did I start this over? Cause I would just put it on repeat. So it would just loop back. And that was where I was starting to feel like, Oh, this should be done. Like, where am I? So, and then if might- you're
1: noticing, uh, during a passive listen, if you're noticing how long the record's been on, it's usually going to be a rough, uh, review.
2: <laughs> well, I, yeah, that's well, been we'll my experience that.
1: so far. Like, if I'm like working and something's on, and I find myself going, "God, is this record still on?"
0: It's usually <laughs> not. <a good> <laughs> Even that of the second half of the record is pretty forgettable. I mean, I've ha- I've had albums like that where all the all the great tunes are up front, and then you hear the second half, and you're just like, nah, "Do I really want to continue on?" You know, I, there's there's a ton of records like that.
1: Well, let's talk about that for this record because um, I found it very odd that the. The Freshman and Photograph are where they are. I mean, they're, like, right in the middle of the record during yeah. the last second half. I, I, I didn't get it. I mean, if this was a, if this was vinyl, it would be, like, basically the start of Side 2 with your two best songs. I mean, from a pop standpoint, I just, it just seemed... Um, the sequencing did not seem well thought through.
2: Honestly, I would have put photograph one, and I would have made I freshman know. three.
1: I know. That's what I expected when I put the record on. I was like, "Oh yeah, we'll get into freshman or photograph pretty pretty quick." That's the you know the big single, the first big single. I'm like, track eight. What the fuck? What <laughs> this guy's doing?
0: Yeah, usually the big singles track one, two, or three on yeah. most rock records from that yeah. point of time. So it is different for for it being track eight. Uh, do you it's,
1: think that they maybe didn't know what their singles were?
0: I don't know. I'm not really sure. Um, that would be a question for Brian if we ever have him on, I guess. I don't know. Uh,
2: Brian, if you're listening, let us know.
0: I do, this is this is pretty funny. I'll, I'll give you guys a little funny story about today. So I was, I was listening to the record today, and um, I was looking at the, uh, at the credits on songwriting. I, I knew that Brian pretty much wrote this on his own. He actually told a funny story once that he locked himself in a storage facility in Lansing, Michigan when his girlfriend kicked him out and literally wrote this record alone in the storage facility because he had nowhere else to live. So that's, that's where he wrote this record. So it's pretty much a Brian record. There's nobody else that had any input on in it. I think AJ may have co-written Penny is Poison, the guitarist, but outside of that, all Brian. So I was online today looking at the credits, and I was on allmusic.com, which if you're familiar with that site, they list producers uh they they list uh mastering that everything that goes in the record the records process is listed on the site right. and i saw a co-writer on a photograph named pete willis and i thought who the hell is pete willis so i clicked on his name and it was the guitarist for, uh, for Def leopard uh between 79 and like 82 or 83 before they got phil Collins in the band and i was like what the hell was this guy doing writing with brian in 1994 because i know the song was demoed in 94 so i sent brian a message and i said what's the deal here like why <laughs> he's like i don't know who the hell that is so it's clearly wrong information well def
1: Leppard's biggest hit is a song called photograph so That's i think all music true. has got their data mixed up
0: <laughs> that was pretty funny that all music listed a songwriting credit of a guy that has never even met Brian, so yeah, uh, just, yeah I'm guess, pretty
2: sure that's a that's some sort of AI error right there. Yeah, I
0: guess, I guess that site isn't 100 percent correct, so that kind of hurt hurt a little bit because I use that site a lot when I look up albums.
2: But now hey, I want to hear this Brian's is, this is why we photographed by Def Leppard. Right,
1: <laughs> that's why we need to exist. I mean, jeez, yeah. if we, if we straight of Wikipedia and all music. Where would we be? Tim and I got to review every one of these records and set the record straight. Yeah,
2: that's, that's true.
0: That's very true, but I thought that was pretty funny, though. He's like, I have no idea who the hell that guy is. I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not, not going to talk about that then, but I, I, it's kind of funny, so I brought it up. So,
1: Didn't so, Ed, Ed Sheeran have a song called Photograph? Maybe he'll get a credit,
0: too.
2: Yeah. Just everybody with Photograph <laughs> will have the credit.
0: Yeah, oh, my God. There's so many songs. Kind of like the song Creep. Remember in the 90s, there were like five creeps going around? Yeah. TLC, STP, Radiohead. It's creeps it was, everywhere.
2: It was a creepy decade. It was for sure we don't need to discuss the radio impact of this album because it's we all know what it was and it was pretty big i mean mm-hmm. bands rarely get as big a single as as the freshman was i don't know the exact chart position where this ended up i don't do you guys did you guys look that up i did not look it
0: up but i'm fairly sure it was number one in active rock yeah. uh in 97 i'm almost positive it was and Brian still gets royalties on it to to this day, even though it's, it's pennies. It's got
2: fifty million plays on Spotify. Yeah,
0: that's pretty insane. How many plays does Cattle have? That's my question. <laughs> 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 Five. Well, well, Tim, this week would have been fifteen. So, right. Yep.
2: <laughs> exactly. No, I have I have MP3s, but uh, uh, yeah, like Cattle has seventy nine thousand plays. Okay. And the freshman is 42, sorry, 42 million nine.
0: Holy crap.
2: Um, And then what's, you know, after that is Colorful, which is from one of the later albums. And then Photograph has 1.4 million. So, you know, probably from this record, there's 45 million plays, which that's a solid 50 bucks that they've got there from Spotify. So, good for them. Right. Uh, (laughs) And then they also, they had a song on the Great Expectations soundtrack, which um, also has like almost 200,000 plays that I I forget about how many bands uh, contributed to uh, soundtracks that actually had hit, not hit singles maybe, but strong singles off of that. So uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, the various soundtracks that they appear on uh, also scored them some nice... uh, you know, Spotify spins So It was mentioned in the comments Let's talk about our overall ratings On this record, Jay Were the album, better EP, or decent single Where do you land?
1: I'm going to be in a worthy album um, I, Like I said, you know I think there's obviously material on here That's stronger than others It doesn't need to be What, nearly 60 minutes um, We push in 54 minutes um i think you could do some trimming um but i think you know for a lot of the bands that they're compared to or maybe lumped in with i think they have uh, a distinct sound i think they have a distinct um singer i think they have um, uh, you know i think there's a lot of musicianship here I think there's a strong sense of melody Um uh, it's sonically sounds great um drums sound huge the holds up production wise some really cool guitar tones. Um, so for me, you know, this is a this is a pretty good rock, uh, alternative rock, radio friendly record from the from the '90s.
2: I didn't expect to get here, but I am at a worthy record. I'm at ten songs. I would completely rearrange the track list, and I, I mentioned I would put Photograph One and Freshman Three, and I would uh, close with Ominous Man, and then however the rest shakes out. Um, that's where I'd be, but I I think 10 songs is a really solid, solid record. And, um, I was, you know, like you, this is a really solid alternative rock record that I was not expecting. And I, I think the depth of it in a lot of spots was what I was not expecting to find. So that was a nice surprise based on my previous, um, hatred. So that's, uh, you know, I turned, I turned a, a, a frown upside down. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, I remember, I remember when
0: I messaged you about this pick, when, when, you, when you mentioned what you thought about the freshman, I was kind of uh, buckling. I'm like, this could be either really bad or really good. I mean, it could either turn you around and you might really love it, or you might just trash the entire record, <laughs> which I was prepared for. I'm like, you know what? If you hate it, you hate it. You know, I, I get it. But uh, I also understand being annoyed at the freshman because i i was i was there back then I, I know exactly what you're what you're referencing i mean everywhere you went that song was playing i mean you couldn't escape yes it. yeah uh, and while it's a great song at its core sometimes there's only so much you can take of a, of a single song um so i mean even today when they play it live i'm just kind of i don't know I, just, I still i still see these guys quite a bit there's a different lineup now uh, most all the all the original band members have gone except for Brian, but they have a great band now that's been together for probably about 10, 11 years now. Um, they sound great, if not better than the original band. Uh, and they still, obviously, they play The Freshman every night. And I enjoy watching the crowd more than watching the band play it because the crowd just eats it up, you know?
2: Which so. is weird because that song is ultra depressing.
0: Yeah, it, that's true. That's very true.
2: Uh, even though it's a fictional account, uh, based on what I read of his of his explanation, um, it's still a fictionally depressing song. So that's like sort of... I don't know. That's weird to me. But then there's a lot of songs like that, like I mentioned, like Brick and Lightning Crashes and all these other ones. When you actually analyze and sit down and listen to lyrics, you're like, oh, this is wildly depressing. Why are we all singing along with this as if it's... <laughs> you know some happy sing-along song
0: yeah speak speaking of the band live uh jerry harrison who produced this record i want to say didn't he produce throwing copper if i recall i have to believe he did yeah. yeah 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 he did a great job on this record i mean he was definitely the guy to choose and in, in my opinion i mean he just everything sounds so good and everything else he's ever done I've, that i've listened to has sounded great um you know be it with live or or what what, what not but um yeah he did a great job
2: yeah he he's um, credentials are pretty. I mean, he's got a and lot, I, of, it, lot of good records. I'm pulling,
0: I'm pulling him, him up right now because I can only imagine how many records he's done. Oh my god.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh my god. Yeah. There's Rusted Root, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, Big Head Todd, Mayfield Four, Stroke. Remember Stroke Nine? Remember that band? Whatever happened to them? But yeah, he did a No Doubt record, Juliana Theory. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. It's a pretty amazing what he's what he's done. So you guys are both at Worthy Records.
2: We're both at Worthy Records.
0: Yes. You did well. All right. Now, I want to warn you, if you you do go to 1999 and listen to the Froggy record, which is a self-title, it takes a little bit more getting into than it's definitely uh, one that you got to play quite a bit before you get into it. I love the the self-title record, but it's the sound is, in my opinion, the sound wasn't there. The production wasn't there. Uh, so the songwriting is there, but the sound takes a little bit to get. It's not Saint Anger bad, but <laughs> it definitely. Um, if I had to fault the record, it was the way it was recorded. It just does not sound that great.
2: Is it Lulu bad?
0: Uh, honestly, I never really listened to Lulu um, outside of <laughs> it. Was got so many poor reviews. I'm like, I'm not gonna. I don't want to listen to. Uh, I,
2: I've never listened to it either. It's, it's just, yeah. a, you know, something you say to. <laughs>
0: But the funny thing about the 1999 record, uh, Brian actually uses that experience to go around and talk to different corporations about failure and how he overcame failure to better his career and his life. Because that record just bombed when it came out. It just completely bombed. The RCA put a million plus dollars into the recording of that thing. And it came out and it just, I mean, everybody was expecting another freshman type of song and it just completely bombed. So he kind of went into, uh, poor Brian. I mean, you know, put his heart into this thing and didn't sound the way he wanted it to sound. And it bombed and he they released underneath and that came out on nine 11. So that (laughs) didn't help him either, but he's actually persevered. And in my opinion, he's one of, he's one of the best songwriters uh, of of my generation for sure. I mean, his solo work is incredible. And if, if anybody's listening, who's doesn't really not really too familiar with him, Uh, His solo work is just as good as the stuff that he's done with the root pipe. So I, you know, I recommend all of it.
2: What's interesting. I mean, we need to wrap up because we're about to hit the hour mark here. But, um, you know, saying that they were expecting another freshman, it took them three times to get the freshman right. As far as it being a radio song, you know, it was on it was on I've (laughs) Suffered a Head Wound as an acoustic song, the original version on villains is not the version that was the big radio single. So they had to do a third version. So like (laughs) expect them to just like come up with another one when that song literally had been worked on for four years and, and had three different recordings. That's kind of crazy. Like, I mean, I I don't know how you actually pull that off.
0: I also think the time was also, uh, they were a victim of, of 1999. 1999 was not the time to release, alternative rock singles. Uh, I mean, we've done, I mean, I've heard you guys record, you know, review records from 1998, 1999. It's kind of the same story. You know, a lot of these bands that were releasing great alternative rock songs were just a victim of the timing. So, I mean, while Hero is a great single and it did get some play where I lived, um, that was pretty much, that just, it's a victim of the timing. It wasn't Limp Bizkit. You know, it wasn't Disturbed. It wasn't Godsmack. It wasn't uh, Sugar Ray. It wasn't where, where rock radio was at that time, so you know, right, right. also has something to do with it.
2: Well, this is another uh, really interesting entry into our uh, our '90s discography. The previous ones, I want to mention last year's pack up the cats episode, which is one of the high marks high marks of our of our run. That was such a great episode. You also suggested not a surf. And Violetine, so those are all like really interesting, uh, you know, entries into our discussion of the '90s. Uh, especially with the Violetine, because I think that's a, that's their only record. People seem to bring it up every once in a while. Same way with like the Finny Scad, as far as the Australian bands go. So, uh, thanks for making so all these. So what we're
1: saying, Dewey, is you're you're batting a thousand.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, so, a, so don't fuck it up. I, I recently listened to your uh, episode on the one and Duns and uh, somebody brought up the first Shirley Manson record before she was with garbage and i I need to check that out
2: oh it's really good yeah. angelfish
0: uh, yeah I need that's one that's on my list to listen to so there was actually a few that were mentioned in that episode that sounded really interesting so I need to either go back and write those down or maybe pull up the playlist but yeah there was a few on there that I really want to listen to but yeah, I'm. I'm glad that I'm four for four. I think that's that's a good sign.
2: That just means you got pressure on you for 2020. I know,
0: but it's mounting. Oh Jesus Christ! Well, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was only for for this for this record, but the Root Pipe have always been one of my favorite bands, so I, I really wanted to show them some love. And they don't have any. There's no reviews of them at all on here. So Yep. I was. Well, we have to get the Root Pipe up here. So even if you hate the freshman, I think I think for anybody listening, anybody that hated the freshman. Give this record a chance. You might change your mind. You might become a big fan. I might see you at a show. So, you know, that would be great. There That's you go. What I wanted to do. so.
2: Well, thank well. you for coming back on and um, being a part of the community. Over at Patreon, we need to remind people that they go to dmounion.com to join us at Patreon. And also iTunes. If uh, you like what you heard, uh, leave us some positive feedback. We greatly appreciate it. We'll you guys just... you're on Spotify now, right? We're on that's Spotify right. as well.
0: Um, that's pretty cool.
2: So Wherever
1: you listen to podcasts, go on there and tell them <laughs> that uh, you like what we're doing.
2: I want my Dig Me Out. We need to start that campaign like MTV had in the 80s. Like <laughs> I want my MTV. I yeah. People say, I want my Dig Me Out. And people will be like, what? What do you want?
0: And there's that one guy with five different shirts, so he's good.
2: Yep. He's letting people I mean, know the day of the week.
0: Jay's got to come up with
2: some new designs.
1: Yeah. One or two more reviews, and we might be able to crack uh, the, uh, the EDM that takes up the top 20 on uh, all the music podcasts on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> I go in there. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll find it. some music podcasts. I'm like, who cool, are really? listening to all these EDM podcasts? What the
2: hell is going on? Man. I don't get this. Oh, where's you're, all the rock talk? You're right. You don't get this. <laughs> that's that's what it is. That's no. what, that's what the kids are listening to. Like Jay. who?
1: Who wants to? But there, it's not. They're not talking about EDM, right? Are they like just playing tracks or something?
2: No, or they're d- they're doing very thoughtful dissections of EDM tracks. <laughs> <laughs> that's the part I don't get. I'm like, I want rock talk. Maybe they know. Now this song has a bass drum and a snare with a hi hat. I think that's what hell
0: is like. You have forced to listen to EDM podcast all day long. It's like a arpeggio
2: no keyboard in the key of A, and then it shifts to B minor. Isn't that fascinating? That's my EDM podcast. Jesus. Hey, maybe we should do that one. That will shoot to the top ten if I put oh, that up no. tomorrow.
0: What are we doing? <laughs> You, did, you guys did review the Comical Brothers, didn't you? Or maybe maybe not. Maybe no. did you? That review was in chemical...
2: our, it was in Electronica. We covered them right. with Electronica. I did, I did listen 90s. to that episode, yeah.
0: so that was close-ish.
2: Right. Maybe we, we can like... just rebrand. Yeah. EDM me out. <laughs> <The> EDM union. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, <Yes>. for listening. <laughs> uh, for Jay, I'm Tim we're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out
0: thanks for listening to support the podcast visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at
1: www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our facebook twitter and instagram pages as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com